0: This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Today I'm featuring a show I made for an amazing podcast series called The Big Ponder, which is produced by the Goethe Institute. They work with radio stations and independent producers in the U.S. and in Germany, and the programs reflect on abstract ideas and phenomena through hyper-local stories. They also explore dynamics between the two countries, the United States and Germany encourage everyone to check out The Big Ponder. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts and I'll put a link to it on my website. So here is the story I made for The Big Ponder. It's called The Farm. Welcome. This is The Big Ponder. This is Ira
1: Karp. On May 2007, there was a marriage of Maria and Josh.
0: Your parents?
1: Yes. And Maria was about to have iron in her belly. The baby small Ira was in the belly of Maria's... And then the midwives came and turned the baby right side out and and they said, "I think he is down to means that I can't understand things, and it's hard for him to talk and baby language and the, and the midwives left,
0: and the midwives left,
1: yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, Maria was sad at first but then she got excited and Maria and Josh bark was on the sofa and baby Ava uh, and Maria was pushed her belly and baby small Ava was out onto the sofa in Maria's hands um, just like that yeah This is the story of Ira being born and the marriage.
0: That's Ira Karp telling the story of his own birth. He knows it by heart. He knows which grandparent showed up to greet the baby first. He knows who brought a lemon cheesecake. He can tell you who held him and where and in what order. Ira Karp collects stories. True stories and fairy tales and stories in songs. Stories with beginnings and middles and ends. Ira Karp is the maker of epic stories of the everyday. These are Ira's parents, Maria and Josh, singing to their sheep in the meadow out behind their barn just before the spring lambing season. They have a small farm in northeast Vermont. a place we call the Northeast Kingdom. It's a wild, deeply rural place, even for this rural state. The winters go on forever. Ira's grandfather, Peter Schumann, lives in the next town over. In addition to being Ira's grandfather, Peter Schumann is also the director of Bread and Puppet Theatre, which is based in an old farmhouse. Ira spends a lot of time with his grandfather, making apple fritters on an old wood cook stove and telling stories about important things, Things like being born and getting lost and found in the woods and the death of people he loves. Here's Peter Schumann.
2: Grim fairy tales is straight out of the guts of populations. Total brutality, total elations, total transformations. Rabbits are at least as big as kings. Mosquitoes are easily bigger than emperors. <laughs> It's his world, you know, it's a huge world. This house for him is full of memories. There are masks here that he remembers from babyhood on as being scary to him. That he knows are in that particular place on the wall. And he's afraid of that place. He doesn't want to go there. And he still is. He sees the demonic power in it, and he can't stand it, you know, the gigantic unknown thing that stares at you out of a face of a sculpture, and you don't know what it is, or and he sees that.
1: When the moon was risen, Hansel took his great old sister by the hand and showed him how they could follow like this. the sea pebbles. Oh, I see one. Yeah, I see another one. And they followed the pebbles, and they reached the cottage at daybreak.
0: Here's Ira's mom, Maria Schumann.
3: I think everybody loves stories. What's different about him than, like, a regular kid is that he dives deep into a story not for a day, not for a week, but for months and maybe even years. Like, he just dives deep into these stories. It all started with Goldilocks. I think that was the first story, you know. And he he would tell the Goldilocks story, and he just told it the regular old way. And then he started switching it around. So he would be like, Mom, you're Goldilocks, and I'm the little bear, and... And then he would have the characters be like his friends in school. And the idea for him of like that Olivia was going to play Goldilocks would just like bring him so much delight because he would think of this person that he loved being in his story. And that's, so that's all, that's a big part
4: of it for him, I think.
0: Here's Iris' friend Claire Dolan. I think telling
4: stories is a way that it's like a super basic human you know, it's a a thing that defines us as humans. The way that we tell stories, and it's our way of making sense of the world, and under it's. I think it's our way of thinking. Uh, it's our way of understanding by taking sort of sensory input and experience, and sort of chaotic inputs and 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 happenings, and we we turn them into a sequence of events, and we attach pictures, uh, you know, mental pictures to those sequence. of events and those become thoughts those become a way of understanding a thing I just remember my dad reading Charlotte's Web to me when I was a little kid he would read he's a great reader and he would use different voices for the different characters he's very good at that and he'd get to the end of the chapter and I would beg him to read another one, you know, just in one more chapter, dad, half more, three more pages, you know, (laughs) and I just remember desperately wanting more of the story, like food, or a drink of water or something
0: like you just want the story. You want it. Again, here's Maria. Uh, I mean, after, okay, let's say after like, four months of one story. Do you get tired of the stories? Of, of, of? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs>
3: I definitely get tired of the stories. But it's also, I have that little thing in my head where I'm like, oh, maybe we can make this into a show. So last year we did that with Rapunzel. So we had been, every walk that we took was a Rapunzel walk for a really long time. And then I was like, let's make it into a show, Ira. And so we made it into a show and it was really fun to do that. And we've done that with a few other things and
0: where did you perform Rapunzel?
3: At Bread and Puppet, yeah. Outside on the circus field. And again, I was all the boring parts. Yeah, I, was, I was the father and the prince, and he was everybody else.
1: <laughs> Rapunzel! Rapunzel!
3: Use your imagination! He's now playing Rapunzel
4: and the Scary Witch at the same time. Yes.
1: <laughs> Rapunzel! Rapunzel! Let down your hair! Go ahead. Okay, Jack. Where were you born?
2: I was born in a little town called Lüben. L-U with two dots over it, B-E-N. In Silesia. <laughs> That's in Germany.
1: Also, there was a big war, so,
3: so you, you have to starting
2: just about then.
3: There is a different thing, though, like where he he tells, he likes to talk about, I think because he's had some death, old age and death in his life, he really, one of his favorite stories is talking about when you were younger. And he loves to talk about everything when you were younger. When when you were younger, when we were younger, when Grandpa was younger, when Granny was younger, what happened and what did we do? No, when you were
1: 11 years old. Old, yeah. And what's what? What was school like?
2: When I was eleven, I was what's called a refugee, and it was like a refugee school. It was a village school, a one-room schoolhouse. What did you eat for breakfast? <laughs> 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 but when I was eleven years old, I think the main food was turnips. And we were sick and tired because my mom had only turnips and everything was turnips.
1: What did he eat for lunch? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> turnips. <laughs> Definitely turnips.
1: Next question. What did he eat for supper? Turnips.
2: <laughs> 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 it was called the simple life. It wasn't a good life, but it was the simple life. <laughs>
1: what was your favorite subject?
2: Well probably fairy tales, grim fairy tales.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> we happened to have one grim fairy tale book that we took along as kids. So we were we knew them by
1: hand. Oh how. it's me next next question. What activities did you did after school?
0: There was a book.
2: Yes, it's true. It was Grimm's fairy tales. When we did our various attempts to try to get away by train from Bratislav and didn't succeed and had to go back home because there was no chance that the next train was there earlier than three hours later or whatever. Every time we went back, my parents diminished their luggage that we had. Every time we came back. But the final luggage on the last attempt allowed each kid to have a little bag. And we had bags before. For example, there was a big suitcase of silver spoons that we, my parents abandoned. They said, no, that makes no sense. We won't be able to get it on the train. It's too heavy, too big, what have you. So when we came back, they buried that thing in the garden. Yeah. But the hand puppets, I had a little collection of hand puppets from my parents' puppeteer friends. And my brother had a big volume of Brother Grimm, fairy tales, and he was allowed that. And the fairy tales were our literature. It was the only book we had... And light was restricted to only daytime, It was wintertime, so very short days, long nights up there in the north, and no candles, no nothing, you know. So basically, we kids, five kids, in the little room together, we simply learned all the fairy tales by heart. So when we started telling us a tale, and somebody stopped, another kid would come in and say the rest of it. We virtually knew them by heart, these tales that were in that volume, you know. And that was our literature. Instead of NBC, EBC, D B B ba, ba Ba Boo. boo. Lying in the dark and reciting fairy tales to each other. No, that's unforgettable for me and how powerful that was for me because I still think of that as the greatest literature, way superior to the Bible and the Bible stories and uh, the other mythologies that are being taught as the best mythologies. How are you doing how are you
4: doing? Okay okay. Life is harrowing. So so we need to have stories that are harrowing and and, and it's a kind of a rehearsal, right? It's a way of like rehearsing the experience of, of, of tragedy and violence and despair and horror that are a part of life. So you can get it in a story. It's like a mini rehearsal, and then you see how it's a thing that can be told, and and then it's it's less terrifying or something, or it's a it's a way of being able to to practice managing those things in, in life, right? You're like, oh my god, I've been left out in the middle of the woods, abandoned by my parents. I don't know. I feel like it's like dreams. Dreams are sometimes for me rehearsals for. You know practices for dealing with the trials and tribulations of daily life, and my dreams are often a lot like Grimm's fairy tales, like "Oh, the crow ate my hand off now, how will I drive to work? <laughs> you know you gotta gotta prepare for that. <laughs> shit happens all the time, and
1: so in. During the night, when the parents were asleep, Hansel woke up, put on his jacket, and stole outside. The moon was shining brightly, and the red pebbles were on the ground, silver pennies. Hansel picked them up, and he stuffed his pocket with them. Then he went back inside and went back to bed. And let's sleep a little more, okay? (laughs) And in the morning... Before the music rose, the stepmother came to wake the two children. She ordered them to to make the kids get up out of bed.
4: I think Ira is a very lucky child because he's surrounded by a lot of people who love him dearly and are interested in having conversations with him and interested in hanging out with him and... Perhaps he sees it as sort of this beautiful smorgasbord of of characters who you know appear and disappear and show up for dinner and you know who he, he runs into in the village you know uh general store and and so it's we're sort of like uh this vast um cast of characters um <laughs> with and many of us are quite eccentric <laughs> um and you know so it's um So I think that's one part of his world. And I also think, you know, living here and the farm and the, and it's a a farm and an orchard. So there's sheep and there's at this time of year, there's new lambs being born and there's often pigs and chickens and roosters. And you often feel like a, a tiny human who's been dropped into this enormous landscape and you're, you become very aware of yourself as a small person against a mountain and a forest and this huge field that you have to walk across. And, um, and then with the weather here, that even becomes more intensified. It's unpredictable. And it can be powerful, like overpowering. You're immersed in, in, in an environment that's a little bit closer to the unpredictable, perhaps capricious, natural world, which, um, which is the world of fairy tales, I think.
3: I have been singing my whole life and, um, I started singing as a little kid with my mom and she would take me to shape note sings and I would sit on her lap and I learned all these German songs because she knew a lot of German songs from when she was a kid and had lived in Germany and some Russian and Slavic songs and also Josh, my husband, we actually met each other and fell in love through our love of singing and especially Georgian songs from the country of Georgia. So... We sang these songs together for years, and then we ended up getting married, and we were like, let's start a farm, and we started farming. But as the years went by, I also was suddenly like, oh, my God, I I get why, I get where these songs come from, because I was singing all these, like, traditional Eastern European Georgian songs that were all written, you know, by farmers, by peasants, by people who were living on the land and maybe, and they were singing about their animals or about the season change or also, but this is like where these songs came from and suddenly it just seemed to make sense to to sing them in this context, like on the land, like let's sing to our apple trees, let's sing to our sheep, let's sing at dawn to the grass in the field, to mark the passage of the seasons. And so it was natural that when Ira was born, we would sing to him. And when he plays music on the piano, you might think he's just banging away on the piano, but actually every single key represents a character in a story. So, you know, the C might be Goldilocks and D might be the littlest bear and the... The F sharp might be Papa Bear. So he'll play for a long time and each and you'll ask him what's going on. He's like, "I'm playing Goldilocks or I'm playing Tintin," you know.
0: You go for walks?
1: I do. To visit Granny To visit Elka. There's a
3: memorial in the pine forest for dead friends and family in our bread and puppet community and it's just pine trees there's just like tiny little sections where maybe some trees fell down and there's something else growing but it's incredibly beautiful because the trees are really tall and and have no branches down low they only have branches like way up high so you look up and you can just see them like swaying in the wind and and you can see little bits of blue sky up there it's a very beautiful place and because there's, a, there's like a little village filled with memorial houses for people um, who are part of our community. And so it has this feeling of, um, it's just a, a special place because that's where they are. And that's where people go to think about their dead. And my mother died last summer. And that's just been a big, huge event for all of us. And we buried her in the pine forest, so she has a grave there. And whenever Ira goes over there, at least once a week, sometimes three times a week for a visit, and they always walk there together. Across the field, down the driveway, past the bread and puppet houses, across the busy road, and then through the field, and then into the forest. He really thinks of Granny being there, like in that physical place, and that he can actually talk to her, yeah.
2: But he has also figured out that she lives in that subterranean basement apartment there, but her spirit has flown out already so somewhere else. He made that connection. I don't know what he imagines with it, but he has used these words. Macaroni and cheese first.
1: Macaroni and cheese first. Yeah, with bacon. Oh, good. Happily ever after.
2: Happily ever Well, the
1: pound for spark is when you walk down to the farm on a the black top and then on top of that hill you see the, the pine forest you go on the grasses and then you go up on a hill, hill, hill then that's the edge of the pine forest then and Grandpa knocks the door of the ravens
0: He knocks the door of the ravens? Yeah. Why?
1: Why to you Permission.
0: To ask permission.
1: Yeah. And then after that, we went in the barn first, and there's Granny' gravesite. Grandpa, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going there. You have to lock our building doors. Oh, we have
2: to lock at the Raven doors. Yes.
1: That's right. Have, yes. I have to let you permission yeah. to go to the basement. He
2: retells the story of her burial and her decline, her last stroke and the one stroke before that in great, great detail. He's obsessed by detail of those stories and he wants them. So he retells them again and again. He remembers the names of the nurses that came to pick up, you know, the ambulance driver and all that a part of his vocabulary the story of the going to the telephone calling for 911 getting somebody to come here who it is who came all that that's his life these stories that's his life
1: dear god granny sleep well i miss granny so long
2: you think we'll get granny back?
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm getting granny back. Maybe.
2: But different, right? Different. Different.
1: Okay. Sleep well in your resting place, but we will soon come. To visit you visit here at summer time, but also in the springtime too. What? Right? Yes, and during your husband's birthday. Oh, also, why? <laughs> yes, people come here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, That's fine. Yeah. Goodbye, granny, good and thank you very much. for will come back.
3: Don't you remember a long time ago Those two little children whose names I don't
0: know That was Ira Carp, his parents Josh Carp and Maria Schumann, his friend Claire Dolan, and his grandfather Peter Schumann. Josh and Maria's farm is called Kate Hill Orchard in Greensboro, Vermont, Ira's friend Claire Dolan is the maker of the Museum of Everyday Life, a beautiful collection of everyday objects which lives in a barn in Glover, Vermont. The Bread and Puppet Theater was co-founded by Peter and Elka Schumann in the early 60s on the Lower East Side of New York City, and now it lives in Glover. They perform all around the world. Thanks to Jerome Lepani for letting me use a piece of his Rapunzel recording from the Bread and Puppet Circus. Thanks most of all to Ira for letting me spend some time with him. And thanks to all of you for listening.
4: Oh, don't you remember those babes in
3: the wood.
2: You've been listening to the big ponder. This transatlantic podcast is brought to you by the Goethe Institute in collaboration with the Bertelsmann Foundation and Rundfunk Berlin Brandenburg. Thanks to all our friends on both sides of the big pond that make this series possible.